Uh, hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the India Independent Films Podcast, where we talk about films on a range of subjects with a focus on film writing. I am Pankaj Sesteva. I write on my blog, uh, Dichotomy of Irony, and also contribute articles on the IIF website. I have with me Rahul Desai, critic for the Film Companion and writer for a host of other publications. This is our eighth episode, technically ninth. Actually, one episode we spoke about Rocket Swing, uh, but eighth episode of the podcast where we cover a host of topics uh, related to film and film writing. Uh, today <coughs> we will cover another set of topics, but this will be more about you know personal likes and dislikes, uh, about choreography and some other aspects. Um, so before I begin, the usual question, Rahul, how have the last few weeks been? And what was your most memorable watch? Yeah, I like this question very much. In fact, I was already uh, imagining <laughs> it before you started the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's a uh, it's been an interesting few weeks. Uh, um, I actually, uh, I mean, I enjoyed um, watching this web series called Masoom on Hotstar, uh, Disney Hotstar. Uh, which stars Bowman Irani. And, um, so that is that was my highlight of the last few weeks. I enjoyed Juk Juk Geo to an extent. Watched a, I mean, watched a fair bit of films as usual. But uh, it's, so there's been a transition of weather here in Bombay and in, uh, I mean, in general, because the monsoons have just started again. Um, so what happens, I mean, on a personal level, what happens is I have a very difficult time sort of psychologically calibrating myself towards this new gloomy overcast weather like I've always had a problem with it since my childhood like I'm not just this weather really like puts me down basically so even for me to engage with films has become a little more difficult in the last few weeks Uh, so I've had to work doubly hard to keep my reviews free of that kind of that effect and that bias and this happens like a lot of us have various problems maybe not with weather but with other things but uh, with me the months of uh, July and August are particularly uh, difficult when it comes to like operating and working uh, and writing because you know it's about it's about using uh, your head and uh, you know it, it gets difficult when you're not when you you're mostly under the weather uh, thanks to you know whatever other external factors but for me that's why I think a series like Masoom or something hit me a little harder because you know what happens is because because of your mental state or it tends to get amplified you start to see things you may not have seen otherwise or you start to overlook maybe a few flaws that you may not have otherwise so uh, you know it's not a perfect series but I, I particularly enjoyed it and I have a feeling I'm going to write about it uh, a couple of times at least in my columns or some some way or the other over the next few weeks. I'm not sure how many people watched it. Uh, and I don't think, uh, you know, I've had a chance to discuss it with anyone. But maybe in the coming weeks, uh, uh, I'll make more sense of it. <clears throat> Masum stars uh, Samara Tijori, right, also? Yes, the Deepa yes. Tijori's daughter. Okay. Yes. I, I remember her from that Bob Biswas. Yeah, yeah Bob, Bob. She was. Uh, yeah, but I saw some, again, I think your review also and some other, they mentioned her. I remember uh, mm. like it had uh, something to do with, uh, with her as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now, you know, our first section would be a little bit about choreography, which is, you know, very interesting space where we don't talk about uh, choreography a lot in terms of film aspect. 
So again, it's a matter of personal like and dislike. But first, I'll begin with anything memorable uh, in terms of choreography from the recent times, uh, a dance song or anything that hit you particularly. I mean, the most obvious answer would be, you know, RRR, that song mm-hmm. in RRR. Um, that for me um, was a return to the choreography I grew up watching. Uh, of course, it was a very, very advanced version of it. But it was the first time in many years that I felt like choreography matters in a Hindi film, in, a, in, a, in an Indian film, in a mainstream Indian film. Uh, of course, I watched the Hindi dub version. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, and I think the song is called Natu Natu. Yeah. And, and that song on its own was such a beautiful three-act structure. It was, there was so much, I mean, the fact that human movement could act as a screenplay of its own was a big deal. And a lot of older Hindi films tend to do that, especially in the 90s when we were growing up. I think choreography was a big deal. Shamak Dawar was the... Uh, was probably a bigger star than most of most actors that we knew then. And that's when it really hit Hindi cinema, right? Post-liberalization, Bollywood. Uh, choreography was the first sort of real, uh, uh, you know, real explosion as far as uh, artistic expression was c- concerned in Bollywood. And and for me, watching a, a song like Natu Natu was, an, was, a, was actually a reminder of what may, we may have lost in the last 10 uh, uh, like five or ten years because you know as we know even Indian film albums music albums have not they are not the big deal that they used to be there used to be album launches so with that obviously the importance on choreography the importance of names like Saroj Khan, Farah Khan, Shamak Dawar, uh, you know household names they had become household names for the longest time um, and and just I think that's what really clicked while I was watching that particular song and and I was very happy to sort of feel that because I thought it was forever gone and it was nice. I'm not speaking like an uncle who's, you know, getting nostalgic about like the era we grew up in, but it was a very important, it was, it had context, like it wasn't just pointless, right? I also enjoyed the choreography in War, uh, the yeah. Rithik Roshan songs and with Tiger Shroff and all. Uh, I, I think they were really well, because it was one of the few times I didn't mind the um, the sort of, intermission in the narrative as far as the songs are concerned it was beautiful to watch and it was fun to watch that's the whole point of like making musicals right bollywood is about making musicals whether uh, and the fact that songs are weaved into a narrative or not even weaved into a narrative they sometimes just come as a breather uh, for me uh, that's always been sort of the identity of say indian cinema and and uh, i i really enjoyed like you know watching of course, we know Ritik has been a great dancer for the longest time. That was his identity in the beginning. But it was a great little, nice little juggle-bandi between him and Tiger Shroff that I really enjoyed in War as well. But those are the two things, those are the two recent memories that come to mind. I don't think choreography is still, uh, you know, it will never return to what it was, of course, because, you know, things evolve and we move in a certain direction. We are moved more in the direction of songless films or music or sort of albumless films and it's all the music is almost incidental to a film now uh, but you know as long as large scale films like war and rrr and I, i'm pretty sure a couple of others coming over the coming years exist i think uh, you know it's a very old school art and i think I, it, it won't die because of that right right now you mentioned like uh, that return to form but what do you feel changed actually like we still have you know like uh, 
these dance songs that are coming up but what do you miss in those things you know like for example let's say karan johar's uh, production films they have a lot of dances but yeah. what do you miss in those things because i also feel the same they don't have that connect anymore so yeah. uh, what happened like what do you miss in those things so i think you know many ways to diagnose this in the sense like uh, first of all i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that our view of hindi cinema or uh, indian cinema has changed right we've grown up our sort of evolution curve is such that we don't look at songs or music uh, as integral to storytelling as we do we view films as a serious medium of art now compared to when we were growing up as children so i think a lot of the choreography and the music stuck in our head because we were young because we were at a very formative stage in our life so uh, but the people growing up now i worry about that because you know they won't see the kind of stuff we did that's why we know what it once looked like and right now i feel what's missing really is you know choreography is down to whether we like it or not it's down to the kind of music also that's being made right like what yeah. that kind of music in uh, films itself the albums um that's not the same we know very well like you know remakes are a thing and and you know sort of uh, 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 such a reproduced sort of recycled sound that we keep hearing in a lot of films and it's fine to experiment with music i'm all for it but uh, choreography is a direct result of the kind of music we hear and that that is why we do remember so many songs in the 90s due to the hook steps right like so many yeah. even govinda you know that choreography was co- pure choreography it wasn't easy to do and and we only remember phrases of songs thanks to their steps that has stopped happening in the last 10 years or so because mainly because you know music production has gone through such a big change i won't say it's evolution curve or anything i it's just gone through such a big change because storytelling itself has gone through such a big change the ott sort of landscape has sort of made it uh, possible for mid range films to come without like uh, to come without songs to come without dance and still you know uh, really appeal to audiences i remember when songless films were a very big deal right back in the early 2000s yeah. like uh, ramgopal verma was known to make like corn sing or oh, there are no songs in that film it was only like one background track in the film and and it it became a big deal like it became a way of selling the film uh, uh, as well and and uh, uh, and those things that was such a novelty back in the day have become now uh, the norm today and the exception are the song films like you know like war or, or like these big scale action films that can afford to take you out of the narrative because you need a breather every now and then but you know there are obviously films that do it smartly but i'd say a lot of it is down to the very sort of unmemorable soundtracks that we've had in mm-hmm. the last 5 or 10 years and even even the good music directors like rehman and amit trivedi and and all the others who've been churning out very very good soundtracks it's it's slowly shifted from playback singing to background tracks right like over the yeah. years and it it's become a part of character arcs it's become a part of psychological anatomy of a character now or or to show a montage or to show advancement in a narrative it's no more just a song that happens when the villain comes into a nightclub and you know looks at this woman dance with with say a man jumping onto stage it's those days are gone so uh, and when we do see those things now we are like oh shit it's so dated how can they still do this how can they still go to a dance bar and uh, an item song starts uh, so you know it, it, it's a lot of things it's a bunch of factors sort of really coming together uh, 
uh, I, I feel like Hindi cinema has obviously gone in a certain direction. Indian cinema has gone in that direction, and it, it's never things are never going to be the same. But uh, a large amount of it is down to the way we tell stories and down to the way we make our music, and and that has changed. And because of that, choreography uh, obviously does not symbolize the same thing as it used to. Okay. Now you know you mentioned it. How how do you like item songs? <laughs> What's mm-hmm. the take on those? I mean, I only as I've grown up, I've realized that that term is really like cringeworthy. Because mm-hmm. even when I even when I have to write it in reviews, I'm like, is there another term to refer to this as? But unfortunately, yeah. there is no other term. So I try to put it in sort of quotation marks so that you know I know it's it's being used in a sort of satirical sense. But uh, I mean. we can't deny the fact that you know item songs were such a important part of our cultural landscape you know as far as bollywood is concerned uh, uh, it, it became a big deal in the mid 90s uh, it was there of course in the mid 70s we just didn't know the term for that yeah, right in shole uh, in shole and with helen playing a certain role in most films uh, it came to light only in the late 80s and 90s and and that's what i mean the, the thing is if you don't look at it uh as the obvious like uh you know gender problematic term that it is if we choose another term for it uh, i feel like item songs are still i mean they they don't stand as i mentioned earlier they don't feel the same anymore they feel a little more dishonest now because the music feels a little more dishonest now so the the gaze at women's bodies also feels a little more so they are no more just dancing and entertaining the audience they are flaunting their bodies they are trying to get in crowds based on only the fact that a woman is wearing lesser clothes now and that has that that particular mentality has really sort of exploded in the last 10 years because the more ott has been progressing uh, the more insecure the old school filmmakers and old school bollywood uh, directors have been getting because of that they tend to be a little more obvious in their filmmaking and a op- little more blatant in their language of storytelling and that is why we see a little more tasteless uh, there are far more tasteless instances of you know item songs uh, uh, that we've seen in the in the last five years it's it's a far cry from even when uh, you know something like uh, when item songs were actually part of the narrative like i remember malaika arora was uh, a, a thing in in karte right yeah, in, in, right. in she was not just doing uh, she was not just and i love the songs in that film and she was a part of that film she was a character in that film where she actually played a, a character like that so you know those kind of things uh, uh, I, i remember when yana gupta was such a big deal because she was yeah. only doing those kind of songs you know babuji dada dheere chalo and and uh, we grew up on those songs of course we didn't see the problem then because we were growing up we were males we lived in a patriarchal sort of society so we were like okay it's great because you know we get to see uh, a, a, a sort of um, you know a, a sort of almost a breather in films where we you know uh, a lot of women are sort of making their a lot of actresses are making their career so even dipping their feet into hindi cinema through those item songs but i don't know i feel like it's a little more dishonest today like i don't i don't see a lot of them anyway uh, especially in mainstream films uh, but when i do see them i i don't get a good feeling like i just don't find it 
that we are doing the right thing. Right? Right? From a very fundamental point of view, it looks wrong, uh, which maybe we didn't feel before because we were too young to notice it. Uh, not to say that the filmmakers were very honest back then either, but it just felt like it was weaved into the medium and it was an integral part of the song and dance film. Uh, I don't think it is that anymore. Right, right. No, the first time I heard about Item Song was again, as you mentioned, you know, that Yana Gupta, uh, yeah. uh, Yana Gupta only, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That whole Babuji, and you know, media likes to uh, stereotype them, so they used to always uh, prefix their names with Item Girl, Malaika, Roda, Item Star, you know. Yeah. And now it just doesn't seem right. It's okay to have dance songs, but mm. again, like this whole. Uh, it's just, as you mentioned, the connotation just feels a little weird. Uh, okay. Uh, who's your favorite choreographer? Um, good question. Uh, my favorite choreographer, I, I think back in the 90s, it like I, I only grew up on choreographers in the 90s and in the 2000s. Uh, but I feel like um, for the Bansali films, I think Vibhavi Merchant was the choreographer. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think I enjoyed a fair bit of her choreography in the Bansali films of the 2000s. And in the 90s itself, for me, uh, my favorite choreographer was, uh, you know, Shamak Dawar because of the kind of, uh, because of the kind of cinema that used his songs. Like, we, of course, we grew up on Shah Rukh Khan's sort of, uh, the Dil To Pagale thing became a big deal because of the choreography, because it was part of the plot. Uh, and I think that sort of stayed with me and it was a very physical kind of dancing. I remember when I was growing up in Ahmedabad uh, in my school days, uh, Shamak Dawar dance troops were a big deal going right. from city to city. And uh, I remember some of my friends uh, who were very good dancers, became it became a big prestige thing to become part of those groups and they used to go practicing. So that was my first brush, like very, uh, you know, in person with those dance troops. And it was such a brand then. And it was such a big deal. I liked what, you know, Rabne Banadi Jodi tried to do uh, with the entire Shamak Dawar brand of dancing. They brought it back in a way because, you know, it wasn't there for a couple of years before that. And of course, Yashraj has been very loyal to that kind of... So I like the fact that, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of films where dance competitions are part of, you know, the plots and the endings. Uh, but I, I really liked the fact... I really liked how Rabne Banadi Jodi did it because of the way Shahrukh Khan sort of <clears throat> uh, managed it uh, to make it look like it was unnatural and natural at once. And it, it really, uh, for me, that was a throwback to the kind of choreography I liked in the 90s. Uh, I, of course, and having said that, the other side of the scale was Vibhavi Merchant, who's very, and Saroj Khan as well, uh, because of the kind of songs she choreographed for the Bansali movies. For me, it was a big deal, you know, to watch Madhuri Dixit and Aishwarya Rai sort of go, uh, go head to head in those films. Uh, I will, I mean, I'm never going to, for me, the star of those films were the choreographers most of the time. Uh, I don't think I have a favorite in the last five or 10 years. I am not very clued into the landscape either as far as choreography is concerned in the last decade. And which is an irony because that's when I started reviewing films as well. Uh, and, you know, and you don't see one particular dimension of Hindi cinema at all. But yeah, those those are the names that first came to mind. Of course, you know, I, I didn't see enough uh, the farah khan was a very sort of renowned choreographer for the longest time uh, but most of them then became directors like ahmed khan farah khan mm -hmm. a bunch of them uh, then went on to become these masala film directors 
but for me there were specialist choreographers that really matter the specialist dance uh, sort of uh, composers that really mattered and for me i think those three uh, webavi merchant saroj khan and uh, and shamak davar were one of my favorites were some of my favorites back then well, did you have any uh, specifics uh i mean you know you covered them uh, i really like saroj khan uh mm. the thing with saroj khan is you know she has she brought in this whole uh, expression based choreography yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah. A- and i used to like webavi merchant a lot but the thing with webavi merchant is that uh, she's very very uh, very very good but her choreography you know veers towards the side of athleticism so yeah. even if you see you know like that war thing that rithik thing is so good but that vani yeah. kapoor thing is so you know difficult to like uh, she I, it's choreographed by memory and that whole uh, you know that song in doom 3 which was marketed right. as the most oh, yeah. expensive song malang uh, so again it's a very beautiful song but her choreography i feel is like very athletic and it's you know it's good to look at but it's mm. hard to enjoy it like if you have to do it's- it so uh that's why I, like she's great she's absolutely great but i like something you know you want something like farah khan style or yeah. saroj khan style in most recent years if you think about it it's hard to find like again there's songs that you like uh yeah. but it's hard to find you know there's one choreographer who is like always good yes of course ganesh hegde is there and yeah. uh bosco uh caesar are there they're there but again it's not as a uh, memorable i remember that you know song jab we met yesh khai it's such a graceful mm. song like you know yeah. uh, like and those tibetan dancers and they're not difficult steps but there's just grace in them so i just miss that colors and those kind of things uh, in film yeah. i um, mean i to be honest i see some of the best choreography on instagram reels that go viral right. these days right it's crazy right. because hook steps are so addictive to watch and these are like you know very well known songs or tunes or parts of songs and they just come up with some of the most graceful sort of things you can see and because of that i feel like our perspective of film choreography or uh, dance dance in films has also changed you know it, it you require a little something more personal and special from the films and i don't see that a lot these days yeah do you remember tal yeah yeah of course dance, tal was, of course again based on a music a dance and a singing troupe and of course my favorite anil kapoor performance and uh, I, yeah who was the choreographer in that film? i think it's shamak only <laughs> that's why i asked sense because it was a dance troupe right like of course yeah, yeah. Uh, i think uh, it was so modernized i mean so contemporary it's actually freestyle and that's what dil to pagal hai and tal you know they did it so so differently uh it's nice okay do you think tiger shroff is a good dancer uh i think tiger shroff is a very athletic dancer as you said like it's just everything about him is so physical and so fluid uh he's really good to watch on screen in terms of movement and in terms of like uh say fight choreography combat choreography or even dance at times but you also you can see him dancing you know you 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 
the whole thing about dancing is you shouldn't be able to see the fact that it is choreographed most of the time i'm not talking about the more athletic songs like right. the one you mentioned in war and all those are actual you have to choreograph yeah, yeah. it has to be seen that they are i'm just saying that like even when rithik came in in 2000 or 2000 um it always felt like his body was you know almost rubber right and whether he was choreographed or not you knew his body could move a certain way and his choreography became his dance moves became so famous in kauna pyare uh, even though they weren't some spectacular dance moves they were just like some very very addictive hook moves and they just became such an iconic thing uh, you could always feel that it came very naturally to someone like him the way his body moves because he wasn't an action star to begin with he was more of an actor i feel like tiger shroff is not much of an actor because of which there is a lot of impetus on the way he moves on screen the way he does action the way he mo- dances and i don't think those things are uh, unrelated to each other as a hindi film actor i think they should they all go hand in hand whether you like it or not if a person is a good actor i believe that almost automatically uh, uh, the person it shows in the person's dancing skills as well that's not to say the person will dance well but it just the person dances a certain way like i think ranbir kapoor is an excellent dancer but he he doesn't show us enough which is great because it's it's basically saying that you know i don't really need to but if i have to uh, i'm very graceful at it shahrukh khan was a phenomenal dancer in the 90s i think my first memory of him uh, choreog- choreographed was kali kali aake and bazigar and i was absolutely addicted to that song for years like the way he went about that song govinda was everyone's favorite in the 90s because he uh, represented the every man sort of move dancing and all. so i don't see that anymore today obviously because the language has changed and tiger shroff for me is uh, you know there are things lacking in him as a as as an as an artist and for me that shows in the dance as well because you mm-hmm. feel like he's trying to overcompensate with his dance and that that is not a great thing all the time Right, right, absolutely. Ranbir is fabulous. He's like yeah, so he's good really in good. those, you know, Batmiz Dil and all those songs. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like again, it's the music and all, you know, uh, matter. Music matters, but again, he just flows with it. Even Galti se mistake was very good. Uh, very good. Yeah, that was a very Govinda kind of thing he did there, which was lovely to watch again. Okay, we spoke about dance. Now let me come to our section two. we'll talk about tabu okay your tweet i think yesterday just went <laughs> crazily viral i just saw it today is like 20000 likes i don't know just so many likes what's your opinion of tabu in general i think she's a phenomenal actress she's been one of my favorites for the longest time uh, it's crazy that tweet went viral because you know a lot of people a <laughs> lot of people think that you're putting down kartik arjun to praise tabu but the whole but that says so much about our industry as right. well right like when you're trying to praise an actress they'll imply that you're actually putting down their favorite actor and that's the worst thing about fandom these days uh, the entire intention of that tweet was to tell people that even in a mediocre film like you know bhulbale sure it did well and all that doesn't mean it's a good film uh, even in a film like that like you know uh, i did i didn't particularly enjoy anyone's performance in that film but just her sort of her uh, sort of dominance over the medium her contribution and her sort of commitment to what she did in that film is very unusual to see when 
when she's clearly a better actor than the film she does most of the time right like unless she's starring in a vishal bhadwaj film or in a shriram ragan film or something like that it's very difficult to say that the film is as good as her and you always feel like she's going to be uh, taking her level down to meet the level of the film but in something like bulbulaya just to see her commitment because you know for people i mean people better have seen it by now she has a double role in the film and she's there on screen most of the time and it's it's not an easy thing to do to sort of throw your reputation as caution to the wind and sort of just give yourself to this very campy sort of uh, horror comedy and i think she did a very good job she's mostly used as this as a serious element in comedies as well and i think she does that also very well she's played a, she's done a bunch of mainstream films over the years that are that don't deserve her in my in my opinion but the fact is that actors like her have to do these films to be more visible and to then get the kind of films she wants to do and i think she's a very very good actress i did not enjoy her performance a lot in uh, a suitable boy i think uh, which is the series um, i think a lot of it was down to the series itself but also i felt like she overdid uh, that entire sort of uh, uh, lucknowi poet performance that comes so naturally to people like her and the late irfan khan also uh, it comes so naturally to actors like them that you feel like sometimes they uh, i mean someone like tabut might tend to uh, overdo that entire aura and all but you know that said i, I still feel like she's she's one of our better actresses and some i'm very happy to see the way she's transitioned into this part of her career sure she'll do a lot of rubbish films like you know like these films that we mentioned but uh, every now and then she will come in a, like she's she's i think she's going to star in vishal badwad or one of the actresses in vishal badwad son's debut film mm-hmm. uh, she's going to do the films she want we want her to uh, heather like films and and the other films and i i think that's you know that's part and parcel of being an actress like tabu who was already a misfit in mainstream in this time in the 90s and yet she somehow held her own despite being you know that awkward sort of neither here nor there actor but she has matured like nobody else has like she's turned and blossomed into such a fine artist that whenever i see her on screen i really feel sort of like something Uh, i feel like i should pay more attention to the film and that's why most of the time the film lets you down because tabu is there in it and it's not good enough but i'm a big fan of her i've always been and uh, i just think that uh, something like bulbulaya 2 also was a huge deal of its success to someone like tabu you know for better or worse whether the film was good or bad doesn't matter but without her that film would not have existed she's so good in that film also like you know i mean it everybody was just sleep walking through it felt like yeah, but yeah. she's like so good and somehow i don't know she looked to me more beautiful in this film than even andadun <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. she's like, she's looking much more pretty in this film uh, you know so i was looking at you know like there is amir khan's whose post lagan dil jata hai you know he's changed uh, do you think is there any film in tabu's career that you know where she's just become uh, as you mentioned you know she's blossomed from the 90s till now there was like after this film she's always been really good is there anything that comes to your mind yeah that's a, that's a good question i'll actually have to look at her filmography a little because uh, you know she's been around for so long that you tend to take her for granted especially because she's such a good actress but you know now that i'm looking at it i feel like uh, you know a film like chini kam was might have been 
a game changer of sorts because this was already her uh, you know actresses hindi film actresses had a tough time in the 2000s right especially those who transitioned from their 20s to late 30s to 40s over the last 15 years a lot of them are making comebacks in web shows and ott platforms now but that is now uh you know in the mid 2000s it was particularly difficult and i feel like namesake and chini come in those two years that happened i feel like that's where uh, the, a lot of india woke up to the fact that oh shit she's really been she has really transitioned like no other uh, because no hindi film actors were making comebacks then they were just struggling through a phase where they were not getting the right scripts and they were not they were not heroines anymore Tabu was never a heroine to begin with, so for her to do uh, something like namesake and Chini come where she was already playing older characters, I felt like that came very naturally to her, and I felt like that might have been a shift in the way filmmakers looked at her or filmmakers know how to use her in their films as well. Because uh, before that, you know, she was neither. So I felt like Tabu, Tabu's early career was just a uh, was just a necessary build up, almost like a very Uh, I don't think anyone will remember Tabu for what she did in the 90s or early 2000. I think her real career started with these films, and she is that rare actress who was always meant to be a more mature performer. She was never meant to be a heroine. I think those years of struggle, those years of not fitting in, were necessary to reach where she has reached now. Because she, she, I mean, a lot of her looked at as a, as as an alternate kind of actress. an alternate kind of cinema that she represented i think she really came into her own only after those films i've not seen a lot of her other language films but i think those films were the sort of game changer for her because all the heathers and the talwars and all they came later right like they came in the 2002 mid 2010s and uh, but that's that's probably where i think our perspective of her changed as well right right so between nimmi in magpool and gazala in heather which one is your more favorite <laughs> uh good question magpool another film around the same time as those films uh i think you know um i think gazala in heather is i think it's a little more special uh not just because it's sort of an adaptation of a shakespearean character or tale or whatever it is it's just the kind of Aura she brought to a role that we've really not seen before. The kind of sort of chemistry, uh, uh, you know, that we see between Shahid and her is really risk, and it is really way ahead of uh, what you know we consider mainstream Hindi cinema to be. And that subtext is very difficult to do. You know, being a mysterious woman is being a Miss Havisham in Great Expectations, which she also played a few years later, is. for her she can do that in her sleep but to do something like heather where subtext is the film uh, i i thought that was just a such a mature performance that was such a nuanced and profound performance that i feel like that will stay with me especially the mirror scenes especially so so much of the way she moves in that film the way she sort of glides uh, from one room to another or from one dialogue to another in that film stands out for me nimi you know makbul great film i arguably the better film and uh, has the better performances but for me heather really sort of uh, you know took the cake right same with me i i feel like she's so good in heather and she has this whole mystery about her you can't yeah, continuously yeah. guessing you know is she the one who committed you know the murder and you know yeah. and uh, when she's wearing those glasses uh, 
sitting outside with uh, KK Menon. You just keep on wondering. And then she comes and meets him uh, and she tries to portray innocence. She's like, she's so good at these kind of roles where she she has to uh, internalize this mystery about it. Uh, Okay. you know, you mentioned Miss um, Havisham. Like, uh, mm. do you think she was good in Fitur? Again, yeah, I think it was kind of a suitable boy performance. It came yeah. very easily to her. She overdid it because the film was also over the top. The film was, uh, you know, so intent on looking gorgeous and haunting and beautiful that I felt like her performance also fell into that uh, sort of category. I don't think it's one of her best performances. It, I think she could have done it any day. She still can. Uh, Of course, she was a natural choice for that role. I don't think any other actress could have done it the way she did. Uh, But again, you know, it's it's one of those things that you'll put down to the film. I don't think it was a great Mm -hmm. performance or a great film. But, uh, uh, you know, I I still can't think of anyone else who could have done that. And Mm -hmm. I feel like her Andadun performance was, which for me has been one of the better performances in the last decade in general, was an extension of her performance in Heather. Uh, you know, like that grayness that you mentioned that, you know, sort of, it was a contemporary sort of riff on that performance. And 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 that's where she's at her best, right? When filmmakers understand what she's good at and how she uses her face to, to internalize that grayness and to internalize the fact that, okay, that women in Hindi films can be uh, a sort of antagonist too. And that doesn't mean they are villains, that means they are human. And the way she represents flawed women characters, I don't think... And that too, while keeping in sync with the masala language of a film or with with the mainstream language of a film, I don't think anyone can... No one is as aware of of their face as she is when she is on screen. And that is something to... Some talent to have. Right, right. I have a slightly different opinion on Andadun. I'm not a big fan of her Andadun's performance because I... I somehow feel, uh, you know, she's very good at these uh, quiet sort of these mystery related roles. But that film required to be, you know, overtly a little bit more villainy sort of a thing. So when those scenes, you know, when she's kidnapped with uh, uh, and she's kept with uh, Aishman and then, you know, she tries to blackmail him and all, I just didn't. Like, it just didn't work well for me. But that initial bits, you know, where she's trying to play, fool her husband and all, those worked for me. So I felt like, for me, her performances in Anadun isn't as memorable for me. But she's good in all these roles, which, you know, require her to just be a little bit more subtle. Uh, But, yeah, but anyway, it's a very good performance, of course. Uh, And as you said, she does these, you know, flawed women so nicely that you end up rooting for her. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, You, uh, okay. Any favorite performance from the earlier 2000s before, let's say, Magpul? So, you know, there was Virasat, there was Astitva, there was BB number one, Ham Saat Saat Hai. Fairly decent ones as there as well. Anything that yeah. you liked there? I mean, weirdly, I really liked her in Hera Peri. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, of course, the film is iconic now and all. But I think she was a very good antidote to the male characters in that film. You know, she played a very straightforward uh, Bombay, uh, you know, survival character in that film. And if you like, if you look back at her character... From down the years later, as we are looking right now, I feel like she she um, she represents 
the sort of location in that film better than most other characters because most others are sort of coming to bombay to survive and most others are sort of their stories are turned into sort of humor uh, humoristic sort of things in bombay but i feel like uh, there was a pensiveness on her face in that film that really went with the kind of comedy that we we were seeing on the sidelines and i i really liked her in that film i also liked her in in you know <clears throat> in films like um, chachi charsobis uh, yeah. which was mm-hmm. you know again i think she was playing the wife there and um, again not an easy role to play uh, you're already playing a mother in the late 90s when you're actually a heroine and not really made it as a heroine which was actually one of the best things that's happened to her that she never fit into that conventional role so that she took to these roles like virasat and chachi charsobis so early uh in her career was was actually a very good thing because you know of course uh she did a lot of she realized very early that she was not cut out to be a heroine you know like in seena being in vijaypath and in a bunch of other films uh, opposite ajay devgan and another uh, bunch of heroes mm-hmm. but for her to take to films like marches and and virasat and chachi chacho be so early in her career was a good thing so that's again the way she played a mother in that film will stay with me also especially for the, her expressions and the way she sort of because it was such an iconic film to remake already right mrs doubtfire and you knew sally field what she had done in that film but i feel like tabu really made that role her own also uh, for better or worse and i i and you know come to think of it she's really she was one of my favorite actresses in the late 90s as well mm. even astitva you know she's doing that uh, oh, yeah. um, like a married woman uh, you know and such an unconventional role at that point in time almost 20 years ago like she's yeah. talking about uh, female desire which has now yeah. become a little bit much more uh, pronounced but again it was so good like that film mm. itself how about chandni bar you remember that film yeah yeah of course that was her star breaking turn right. in a way right like because she's been she's around for a decade before that and Shani Bar winning national award and bunch of awards winning. Uh, I think even she won. I'm not sure if she won, but uh, it became a big deal. Uh, I thought it was a very brave performance, very brave film to do. Again, it stems from her, uh, uh, you know, ability to break out of the conventional sort of mold. And uh, I enjoyed her performance in that film. I know it's like sort of popular to look back on Madhur Bandarkar's films and say, oh, maybe they weren't that good anyway. But I thought Madhur Bandarkar's first two or three films were very, very good and entertaining to watch. And like he did a very good job of exploring different facets of Mumbai, of India, uh, uh, you know, uh, while remaining cheesy and while remaining sort of very true to what Bollywood represents. I thought Tabu was the beginning of it. uh in terms of his career as well and i i really i really enjoyed that performance it's not one of my favorites it's a very mm-hmm. showy performance it's a very showy film uh it, it's very obvious that the film wants to be hard hitting uh, quote and quote which is a adjective that a lot of people used to use for madhur bandarkar and ram gopal varma films back then uh but uh, but you know it is a performance that uh, will go down as her top 10 you know at the end of her career and rightfully so you know it sort of made her who she was eventually even though it's not one of my favorites uh, uh, i i feel like she's done far less showy roles for far more uh, but you know i i i it was really novel to see a bollywood actress sort of do something like that and not end up like 
to draw a parallel with that so many people so many actresses have played sex workers and dance uh, and sort of uh, dancers in bars over the years uh, most of them have been very showy but tabu's stands out on a very earthy level and i feel like you know due credit to her for that digressing a bit what's your favorite madhur bandarkar film <laughs> uh yeah good question uh, my favorite madhur bandarkar film very weirdly and not surprisingly is page 3 uh i you know obviously like i mean you get into journalism later and realize oh shit that's such a sort of campy yeah. version of what it is but you know for better or worse it you know uh, I, i mean the entire sort of um i really enjoyed watching that film first of all because of konkana because she's just so good in those films uh and it was such a unusual combination right like konkana in a madhur bandarkar movie uh, i i thought it was immensely entertaining while being sly about the film industry while being sly about uh, journalism itself uh, that existed in the mid 2000s where you know entertainment journalism was at its either at its peak or as at its worst bombay times was such a big deal page 3 was such a big deal uh, i remember uh, growing up in in bombay or moving to bombay and always going to uh page 3 in the bombay times and recognizing names you know like uh, i and and looking forward to see those names in photos dancing away every other day in 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 those papers so um, for me page 3 was a culmination of all that and my it was a culmination of my initiation into the city because that's when i had i was very new to the city um and i really enjoyed that film and even now when i see it from time to time i really enjoy watching some scenes i really enjoy uh atul kulkarni's performance also in that film because he is the antidote to what the film represents in that and he uh, uh and he plays this crime journalist and all and, and i i still watch it uh, i think madhur bandarkar was a uh, was a very good filmmaker back then of course you know he became outdated very fast and that language faded away but uh, that is my favorite madhur bandarkar mm. I keep on wondering. I have to. I mean, I love pastry. Like you know, he's made Satta, Aan, Menak. Work. I haven't seen those. So I have to. See, like yeah. keep wondering. Like I have to watch the earlier Madhur and Darker films. But yes, pastry. Yeah, like it's a very good film. And even you know this whole uh, paid news. Uh, like Bhaman Iran yeah, yeah. character, how he suppresses, which we see now. Like it's so common. But at least for me, it was the first time. You know, when you're growing up, you realize okay, these things. happen like that you know journalism isn't as uh, uh, you yeah. know idealistic <clears throat> as it's made out to be not journalism i'll say editorship uh, like how yeah. there is a uh, ownership a conflict between politics and media so it was very yeah. well done at least for that point of course now it looks a little like if you watch it the, like the film quality itself it looks a bit grainy and all those things but it's still a very good film uh, it is it is Okay, now let's come to a very short topic, as the name suggests. I thought you know something about cameos. Uh, mm. You know, uh, Uday and Jay Arjun Singh. Uh, they had like three, four years ago. They had written uh, this profile in Mint about thirty or forty memorable cameos in film industry, in Hindi film. Huh. Do you remember any of your favorite cameos? uh i mean i'm <clears throat> i mean i don't remember like first of all a lot of my watching of hindi films sort of started in the late 80s early 90s and uh, i don't think um, i knew the difference between cameos and supporting actors or or special appearances as we know them um, 
I didn't know the difference between them for the longest time. So for me, like cameos have always been, uh, you know, like sort of an extension of what we uh, uh, see as parts of the film. Uh, even when I was doing that third wheel series, like a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago for Film Companion, um, I didn't know what whether some of them were cameos, some of them were just sort of third wheels, or some of them were just forgotten characters in films. Uh, for me, they sort of all sort of it, uh, become one. But I didn't go through the list that Uday and Jay did. Uh, but I'd be curious to know if if you have any, because then I can maybe, uh, some may just come to my uh, uh, mind after that. Because uh, for me, cameos have always been, you know, big stars appearing in these one minute or two minute roles at the end of a film or in the middle of a film uh, to sort of just lend it a certain bit of star power and gravitas. And, uh, you know, like a Shah Rukh Khan in a luck by chance or a Juhi Chavla at the end of Kabhiya Kabina. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, I'd be interested to see if even you have any, like, favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned, like, it's hard to recollect those. But when I went through their list, one was, one just stood out for me and I laughed. It was that they mentioned about that goat in Gangs of Basipur. <laughs> it was, like, uh, yeah. very funny. Like, they just wrote about yeah. that goat, like, in that scene. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, it were fairly, you know, like, uh, of course, there was a whole list from the early uh, early period, like there was veteran Russell in one of the films, of course. And the, they mm. also had mentioned, you know, like by chance, all the cameos, how it was a meta comedy, yeah. like Ranbir Kapoor and all those things. Yeah. I'm wondering if, if there is any memorable, but, you know, it's some roles are like blink and miss, like Kajol used to come in. Um, Kabhi Albinana, like, you know, those sort of Kajol and Rani yeah. came in Kalhona, and then Shah yeah. keeps making these cameos. So, again, like, I also was wondering, like, you know, uh, there's not much to talk about it, but I was just curious if you have any favorites. No problem. We'll move to the <clears throat> next topic. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you know, this one uh, might be sort of our, like, final segment of today. So, mm. let me start by, you know, asking you know you get a lot of love when you're writing but sometimes there might be instances when people just don't take it nicely to your reviews and they just become Mm. very paranoid Uh, how do you deal with that on a personal level like is there something process you do you try to shut yourself out how do you deal with some some of those difficult moments I mean, yeah, uh, you know, as it happens, it's happened a lot in the last six months or one year. And it's part and parcel of what you do. You know, the more um, the more visible your writing becomes, um, the more visible you become as a film critic, uh, the more love and brickbats you'll get at the same. Because it's a very public medium. You're, uh, you're putting like two or three, minimum of two or three reviews out every week. Uh, Hindi cinema is very prolific. Unfortunately, as it turns out, Hindi cinema is also turns out a, like a bunch of turkeys every year. 90% of Hindi cinema is uh, below average. Uh, so, so when you are a critic who reviews almost every Hindi film, there's bound to be this impression that, oh, you don't like anything. And that's stuck with me, like ever since I've started that he doesn't like anything. But, you know, I'm going to say this again and again. It's because I review more than most other critics and because I'm technically a specialist critic, 
uh, it, it may seem like I'm not liking a lot, but I'm just a messenger, you know. I'm just basically not liking the films that others are not liking. It's just that I have more reviews. So 90% of my reviews will seem negative because the films are like that. But uh, I do get a lot of criticism uh, in that sense. Like, you know, there is a, a lot of people may want to take my reviews saying, oh, he's getting personal or oh, he's getting uh, too nasty or he's getting too this thing. But, you know, I, I've sort of over the years learned to make peace with it because um, the memory in general of, you know, people is from Friday to Friday. And it goes, it's the same with filmmakers. It's the same with actors and actresses. And for for the, for for someone, for one Yami Gautam who takes offense to uh, uh, to a line that you've written in the review about only her performance and her career, uh, there are also a bunch of uh, at least five other actors or directors or you know or people within the industry who will reach out to you on private in DM saying that you know I really love your uh, I love what you wrote. They'll they'll specify what you wrote and say even we didn't think of this. So that is what you write for, right? When you're trying to basically read the filmmaker's mind or read the film. Uh, and say something that even the filmmakers didn't think of and they were like, okay, maybe we subconsciously meant it. That's what you write for. So in my mind, I try to, uh, you know, draw balance between the kind of messages I get or the the kind of uh, positive reactions I get to someone like, say, uh, Yami Gautam really losing a shit at a review or someone like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Vivek Agniyotri going going crazy about Kashmir files but you know you take all that in your stride because it's becoming more and more volatile these days on social media all it takes is one tweet and you know your career can take two steps back because of that and you I often think like that when things like that happen but you know the but I keep reminding myself that I'm bigger than the writing I do for Hindi films and I keep reminding myself that the kind of writing I do for my columns or for my features or or every now and then in praise of a particular, like I wrote a Shiba Chanda piece a couple of a month ago, a couple of months ago. That is the kind of writing you really want to do. And the Hindi films that you review from week to week, especially the rubbish ones like Dasvi and, you know, a bunch of others uh, um, are just a job that you have to do to do the kind of writing you do. And the, the reactions you get for that writing, which you love doing, are what hold uh, really a high amount of significance for me in my head compared to the criticism I get for, say, panning, uh, a, a, you know, an Abhishek Bachchan film or a, or Akshay Kumar film or a Ajay Devgan film, which is going to happen. You know, the landscape has become like that. It's all divided into trolls and fandoms and this and, and social. Twitter isn't what it used to be in the early 2010s. And, uh, you know, I, I just try to remind myself that you just, uh, as soon as you feel upset about a particular kind of tweet or criticism you get, you just move on to your next review and Luckily for me, I have my next review always around the corner. Uh, I have no time to dwell on something. I have no time to think on about how I phrased a particular review or how much criticism or praise I'm getting. You're only as good as your last review. And so for me, the next piece is just one or two days later. And I try to do my best there. Uh, um, and that that works for me because, you know, you don't have time, uh, especially if you're, if you're trying to cover as much Hindi cinema as you can. Uh, and you touched upon this, you know, social media is a two-way sport, like, it just hypes you up, mm. but it also is very yeah. little bit uh, difficult uh, to deal with this. Uh, 
So my question here is, do you think it's easier or difficult or does gender play a role? Let's let's say being a male critic, do you get like, do you sometimes think of that? Um, like you might have more criticism because of you are a male or somebody can accuse you of being, let's say, sexist or does that come into my your mind sometimes while writing? I mean, it's never really come into my mind. I don't think gender has played a role in the kind of criticism I get. It's just that I don't like too many films. I'm too harsh in my reviews and all that is criticism irrespective of gender. I feel like if if there was someone else doing this job in place of me or writing the same amount of negative reviews for films, I think she might have gotten the same amount of criticism as well. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it's that as a factor as much as as, you know, preconceived notions about being partial to particular camps to particular actors which is which is bizarre which is also ridiculous I laugh at it now I used to feel very annoyed at it earlier that how are people accusing someone like me who goes from film to film without caring about the production house or the actors going from film to film and reviewing them according to its merit uh, without any agenda how can they accuse me of being that person but now I laugh at it because it's just par for the course for Twitter discourse. I think Indian Twitter is the worst Twitter in the world. It's the dumbest Twitter in the world. So people are going to turn on you just as much as they're going to praise you. And that's a funny part, you know, after that Karthik Aryan tweet, which was ridiculous yeah. that it went viral. It had no business going. Uh, <laughs> the same people who were, who were tro- who I had blocked, who were, who had muted, who were trolling me for Kashmir Files and Yami Gautam were now... Uh, you know, like batting for it because they, these are right-wing people. They were like, oh, he's putting, because they thought I was standing for someone, for someone like Karan Jor or someone like Shahrukh or someone like, you know, because Karthik Aryan is the outsider. That same Sushant Singh Rajput argument came back into, and it's bizarre. The discourse can be a film on its own on Twitter. And those same people were suddenly being like, oh, yes, correct. Karthik Aryan doesn't deserve it. Because, you know, they are they are all about nepotism and they are all about this. And nobody realizes that there's never an agenda behind any tweet of Karthika. And I am and, and nobody realizes that I've been one of the very few mute supporters of Karthik Aryan for the longest time because I've I always sort of thought that he has potential that he isn't tapping into. And I was hoping he would tap into it in Imtiaz Ali's film, which didn't work out too well. But I loved moments of what he did in the way he played, the way he acted in songs in that film and the music of that film is lovely, it's beautiful. KK sang some of the best songs of his career, late career there. I thought Karthik Aryan was very, and I was disappointed with his role in Dhamaka. Uh, I actually thought he was pretty funny in Bhulbulaya 2 in parts, but he had a Akshay Kumar hangover. And so that's the thing, you know, people think you have an agenda all the time when you're tweeting or when you're reviewing. And it's it's sad that you have to disappoint them saying you're just a sort of writer who's going from week to week without caring about all of this and just doing your job. You're just trying to get to the weekend at times because of the sheer amount of trash out there. Uh, you just hope to find a good film every now and then, hope to find a good series any, every now and then. That will keep you going. And uh, I don't think gender comes into play there. I don't think uh, there are, of course, a large amount of male critics and there is no turning away from that. And, you know, it's sad that it is the way it is that, the, you know, they're less amount. But if you look at it, even, you know, Shubhra Gupta was pulled down by Tapsi Pannu last year for something she wrote yeah. about a performance in in uh, a film. And, I, you know, I don't think gender came into play. In, in, if anything, Tapsi Pannu was weaponizing her own gender there and her own outsider status there. And it's become fashionable to do that. People like Karthik and uh, the fans of people like Karthik and all do that all the time. And 
I admire that he's sort of kept away from this whole thing and he's maintained a very sort of, he's just let his work do, uh, do the talking. Uh, but yeah, there's too much noise out there and it's best to put your head down and sort of try to review as much as possible. Uh, you can't worry about pissing off people because whether you like it or not, every review is going to piss off someone or the other. And it is it is the it is the price of say popularity. It is the price of uh, the internet age, and uh, you know it also means you're doing something right that a lot of people are reading you as well. Uh, so, for better or worse, you know it's it's part of it. It's becoming more and more difficult. I won't deny it. Like my mental health has suffered in the last two or three months, or last three or four months, ever since the Kashmir file thing happened. But you know uh, you can't be cowed down. You have to keep doing your job, and you have to. Uh, understand that people will read your reviews irrespective and you will go from film to film. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a Dharma film or it's a YRF film or it's an independent film. You have to just go according to their merit and not let your... Uh, and that's the advantage I have of not interviewing stars and directors and production houses. I am totally unbiased in that sense. Right, right. No, the reason I ask is, you know, just to have your viewpoint because for the last three, four months, I also felt... Like mm. it was just getting a little too much. So yeah. uh, to talk about a happy note, what's the nicest thing you heard from somebody? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, some of the nice things I take screenshots of and keep in a folder I have on my computer. And I have a lot of screenshots over the years. I mean, most of them are very private, so I can't really say them in public. Mm. But, they, you know, whenever someone reaches out to you, I don't care if it's a filmmaker or if it's a normal reader, or if it's someone you've never heard of before, whenever they say that, you know, your, your writing uh, has sort of, and this happens a lot with the columns and with the reviews of, say, films like Geraya or some or films like October, uh, when when you put yourself into a review and a lot of them reach out and say that, you're, you know, your writing really changed the way I look at something. It changed my relationship with my parents or it changed my relationship with my partner. Those things you cherish and those things you... Uh, keep uh, in a folder and remind yourself from time to time that your writing, your words have power. And uh, we all have imposter syndrome as writers. Uh, and, and you know, all of us do. And we don't think we are worthy of a lot of praise and brickbats we get. Uh, but the bottom line is that, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, sometimes you do change a life without really looking to. And what are we? We are film critics or film writers in this uh, in the small scheme of things, there are journalists who are actually changing lives out there from day to day, facing far more threats, facing far more uh, trolls. Uh, you know, look at Rana Ayub. Day by day, she's an inspiration and she's single-handedly sort of taking on the government. Uh, so we are nothing in the larger scheme of things. But to, to see that when people need a breather from the problems uh, with the country, from the problems with the world, uh, when they turn to film writing, when they turn to writing about art, that's when they need a breather. And that's when they are at their most vulnerable because they are letting down their guard then. That is when you your writing sort of uh, sort of taps into a part of them that they may not have it may not have tapped into if they were still fighting for their survival. Uh, when they lay down at night and read a film review or read a column or early Sunday morning or early Monday morning when they're on their way to work. Uh, they are vulnerable. They don't. Their guard is down, and that's when your writing mm-hmm. sort of just sneaks in and changes lives. And you have to be confident that you're doing that. And I've got enough messages, enough words of uh, words of kind words 
uh, that have reminded me that you know the work i do is far bigger than the trolling and i imagine if someone like you is an observer has noticed that the trolling has gotten a bit too much in the last 3 mm-hmm. or 4 months uh, you can imagine what it is to mm-hmm. be at the center of it but the weird part is it's like being at a center of a of a tornado right you the center is the safest most of the time you don't realize what's going on around you until people tell you and reach out to you uh and that's when i get surprised to your wait i'm weirdly shielded by the soul thing in my bedroom and i have no idea what's going on and that things are going but then you read uh, then you take screenshots of the few messages you get because of good about it like you know nothing has ever happened and and that's the thing you need to just work from week to week and be confident that your legacy will mean something at the end of the day right okay. yeah absolutely and that was a very nice note to end that so uh, thank you all as always for your honesty i really liked the conversation again today hopefully yeah. the listeners also liked it and uh, we will wrap it up for today so thanks everybody for listening uh, we'll be back with another episode pretty soon all right